You're listening to a Royal Children's Hospital Education Hub podcast. This is an Allied Health and Nursing Education Outreach Program podcast in collaboration with the Education Hub at the Royal Children's Hospital. Good morning. My name is Virginia Beckerman and I'm one of the nurse educators in the Allied Health and Nursing Education Outreach Program. And I'm delighted today to have with me here Professor Fiona Newell. Fiona is the Director of Nursing Education and Research here at the Royal Children's Hospital. And this is the third and final podcast of a three-part mini-series on nursing research. And today we will bring the series to a little final conclusion by talking about using research to improve the quality of care that we deliver to patients. So Fiona, thank you for joining me here today. It's a pleasure. So just a note that my nickname is Jin, so Fiona is likely to refer to me as this throughout this podcast. So Fiona, in our previous two podcasts, we started off talking about creating a culture of inquiry for nurses within workplaces, and then we moved on to talk about using evidence-based practice and using evidence in our practice. And so today we're moving on from that and talking about how using research changes the quality of care that we deliver to paediatric patients and their families. And so for me, for example, I think back to being at uni and watching the video of uh, poor Henry VIII, <laughs> where they drained and purged his blood and gave him tonics and all with the belief that would improve his health. It was very well intended at the time that that would improve his quality of life and care. Unfortunately, of course, it didn't. So I wonder, is there an example that you can perhaps talk to where research informs and changes the quality of care that we give our patients? Yeah, thanks, Jen. I think it's probably wise to go back to the, I guess, the lady with the lamp in answering that question, Florence Nightingale, and during the Crimean War, she instituted really simple initiatives because she identified that there were more people dying in wartime hospitals than what there would have been if they were back in the UK. And they weren't dying of war injuries, they were dying Mm. of disease. So she instituted some simple measures like hand washing, and improved ventilation. And importantly, she collected data along the way to show that those interventions contributed to a reduction in mortality rate. So I think the things that we take for granted now in terms of hand washing and good ventilation, perhaps even more so in the midst of a pandemic (laughs) than ever any time before. But I think that we, we know that stuff. We know it works because Florence Nightingale collected data about it. And she importantly thought about how to present that data to make it change practice, not only in her institutions, but elsewhere in the world. That's a fantastic example, Fee. Thank you for that example. I think for me, perhaps, a, I guess, a much more recent example is um, when I first started nursing and I used to work on one of the wards here and it was just eczema management, which has just changed significantly in the last 15 years. We used to lather in dermes, which is still a great moisturiser, but we've learnt that it's since blocks pores and actually doesn't help the skin in other ways. So it's, it's just amazing what we learn over time and with evidence, isn't it, that changes the care that we give. So you've just highlighted to me about reinforcing the importance of knowing why we do. Why is it that we do what we do? And we actually touched on this a bit in our last podcast about what you would say to nursing staff who are potentially struggling in workplaces with the adage of this is how we do it here. And I'm wondering if there is advice or comment that you could give to these nurses who do want to challenge the status quo, who do want to put those questions forward and know why, but just don't really know how. So thanks, Jen. I think the first point I'd make 
is pick your battles. Not everything needs to be addressed right now and not everything is worth getting het up about. So I think it's really important to pick the issues that you think are most important and accept that you're not going to be able to change everything at the speed that you might like. The second is find a significant point and pick some allies or a significant issue and pick some allies to help work with you. Make a working group. So it's not you against the world, so to speak. You're actually working in a team to try and bring about change. And within that team, hopefully you've got different skills and abilities that can come together to help move you forward more quickly than what you'd be able to do alone. And thirdly, I'd say get data. Now, that data might be patient experience, so qualitative data, it might be quantitative data. It doesn't matter, but from my experience, I see a lot of nurses who feel really frustrated and unable to engender the change they want. But to date, their way of trying to communicate the need for change has been based on emotion. I feel frustrated because of this. I'm really upset this has happened. And they expect to get engagement through expression of emotion. My experience is if you're particularly dealing with our medical colleagues, they are far more likely to engage with you and work with you if you present some data. Now, it doesn't have to be really highfalutin data. It could be simple information about how often a particular case is coming through and the fact that you feel ill-prepared to look after that case because all of a sudden we've got a lot more of it than what we used to have and we haven't been prepared to deliver that care. You collect the data about how often those kids or those patients are coming through. You present that to your medical colleagues and it might be that they suddenly realise what you're talking about in a way that's far more tangible than just saying, I just feel really exhausted because all these kids are coming through and I don't know what to do. And so I think that nurses historically, um, not always, but often go to emotion rather than think about the data that they could use to help get engagement and get people on board. Thank you, Fee. That is such a great point. And Fee, I'm just going to very slightly just ask you to quickly define qualitative and quantitative data, just because I know that we've just quickly touched on it, but I just think it might be worth just for the purposes of our conversation here, just quickly identifying what the difference is between two if nurses are going to start gathering data in their place. So I think the qualitative data talks largely, we often talk about it as patient experience. So Mm. how patients feel about care, what their experience was, and we're asking people usually to give us sentence-based answers rather than multiple choice answers or anything like that. So if we weren't sure, for example, what to put in a multiple choice questionnaire that asks Mm. families about their experience, we might first interview some families to find out what's important. From the data that we get from those interviews, we might then have more information about what multiple choice options to put in a, a multiple choice survey. So sometimes we need the qualitative before the quantitative, and sometimes we need both hand in hand. Quantitative data are things that you can measure or group together. Qualitative data is more around just the human experience. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Fee, for going into further detail on those definitions. So Fiona, moving on to our our next question, here at the Royal Children's, the nursing research team implemented a quality review with our Tuesdays at two education sessions. And this is where the National Safety and Quality Healthcare Standards are used to look at our practices and how we can improve them. 
Why did the nursing team, nursing research team at RCH choose to do this? And why do you think that these two areas of research and quality care complement each other? So the quality reviews really focus on our national standards. And during each quality review, and we have, I think, eight a year, we focus on one of the national standards. Now, the national standards are central to nursing practice. They include things like partnering with consumers and, and providing safe care, medication safety, blood transfusion management. So they're central things to nursing practice. And we felt that by focusing on one of the national standards each time we do a quality review, we can make the language of those standards a little bit more interpretable by nurses. Mm. The national standards are central to our practice and yet it's actually not something that we speak about very often and it's often because the language used to describe things at a, I guess, a policy level often don't translate well to a clinical level Mm. and that's what we were trying to do. Mm. I think importantly, research informs quality because research generates evidence and only through having good evidence can we generate good clinical guidelines and therefore national standards. So I think they do go hand in hand together. And it's just a way of making sure that we move the concepts that are from a policy level down to a clinical level with meaning. I think that's just fantastic, Fee. And I think you are so right. And you've touched on such a great point about the language that is used. When I think about quality care, sometimes it almost sounds a bit I don't know, slightly snoozeworthy, dare, yeah. I, dare I say such a thing for, for clinical nurses. And I yeah. don't mean it to be derogatory. I think it is, as you say, it's the language perhaps that is used. Yeah. Of course, when we actually go into it, we know that it is actually the backbone of absolutely everything that we do. Yeah. Uh, and that is why nursing research and research in general does inform it and complement it so much. So thanks, Fee. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tap into another couple of quick fire questions and then we'll recap today. So... Fee, what would be, or how do you have your coffee? Because I do know that you drink coffee. Yep, I'm a flat white girl. <laughs> You're a flat white girl. Yep. Can't go wrong. Yep. No single shot, double? No, uh, just straight. Just normal. Straight, oh, normal. Yeah, very good. And if you had to have a favourite Melbourne restaurant, Fee, what would it be? It would be La Luna in North Carlton. Lovely. Yep. Very, very nice. Can't go wrong with Carlton there. No. Really, can you? That's so true. Thanks very much, Fee, for joining me today for this uh, third podcast. It's been delight, delightful for me to speak with you. I think some of the key points I've learned from our discussion is for those nurses who perhaps are in places where they might be struggling a little bit uh, to challenge the status quo, um, pick your battles as per Fee. Think about what is most important, perhaps gathering some allies to help work with you and using data to help inform the challenge that you want to take forward. Thinking about research and quality care and as we've touched on what we do here at the Children's, that might be something for you listening that you can take away and think about what you are doing within your organisation as to how you bring that into your practice. So thank you. Thanks very much, Fee, for today. Pleasure, Jean. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Please view the description section below for more information on this topic. The Education Hub is a collaboration between the Royal Children's Hospital and the University of Melbourne Department of Paediatrics and funded by the RCH Foundation.